You're listening to audio from New Horizon Worship Center, located in Waco, Georgia. If you would like additional resources, please visit us online at www.NewHorizonWorshipCenter.org. We're going to be in Proverbs 18, 21. Today, I just want to talk to you for a few minutes about something very scary. I know there's supposed to be no fear and love and and all that stuff, but uh, we're going to talk about something pretty scary. So don't panic. Don't freak out. But I want to talk to you about your mind. I told you, it's pretty scary. (laughs) For some of you, it's much scarier than others. I want to talk to you about your mind. You know, most battles... Most of the battles that you will ever face in your whole life will be won or lost right here in your mind. That's where you win or lose. The things that you face, it, it's so important. And there's, there's so many scriptures, but a lot of times we just kind of skip over it or we forget about how important the mind is. But that's where we win or lose. You ever heard of mind monsters? It's just... It's just what some people call it, like the things in your mind that would hold you back. Doubt can be a mind monster. Fear, um, anger, guilt, despair, inaccurate assumptions, insecurity, worry, depression. They're, some people call them mind monsters because they get in your mind and terrify you, control you. They, they get in your mind and, and it controls what you do. It's really just death. But if you could somehow reset or renew your mind, your life will change. Um, I spoke, I, I talked to a group of men last week and... It was a pretty big group of men, and I was in a conversation where I had met the pastor of the church where I was speaking. It was a pretty, a pretty large church, and afterwards I was in a conversation with him, and he was talking to the guy that runs the men's group. That's my friend that invited me to come and speak, and their pastor said something, and at first I was like, huh? I don't know why I was in on this conversation, but um, he said... Old so-and-so over there, like I don't know the guy, was at a table. And he said, he went up to the guy, their pastor went up to the guy before I started speaking. And he said to him, your best chance for growth, spiritual growth right now, is to be quiet and listen. I'm thinking, man, that's a pretty hard word. If I said that, they probably somebody probably quit the church. <laughs> no. That's what he said to this guy. And he said, I hope you can receive that in a spirit of love. <laughs> Man, bless your heart. <laughs> um, and, and the guy said, okay. He sat down at the table and he didn't say a word. And so afterwards, they, and like I saw, I'm like, whoa, what? And so I was thinking about that. Afterwards, we were standing around talking And the pastor said to the guy that was running the men's meeting, my friend who I was standing next to, he said, last week I was here, and I noticed that guy was sitting at the table, 
and they do table discussion. And he said, he never shut up. No one else at the table said anything. And the word, what he was choosing to sit there and talk about the whole entire time was not life-giving. I thought, hmm. And that was his wording. It was not life-giving for anyone at the table. You know, the words that are coming out of your mouth is because of things in your brain. This is where it all starts. You don't just spit stuff out. It's in your brain. So when you get around people, are you life-giving? Would you be considered a life-giving person or just a death-giving It all starts in your brain. So Proverbs 18, 21, we're all familiar with this. It's death and life are in the power of the tongue. But what you say starts in your mind. So we know that death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue is powerful. The things that you speak are powerful. You can prophesy over a situation and we've been given power and there's power in our words and we've looked at the fact that we have the same creative breath that God has. He breathed it into Adam. He breathed it into us and then after Jesus went to the cross, Jesus came back and he breathed on the disciples, which is kind of weird. It seems awkward. But it was a sign. He was giving them back what was lost because of sin. So we have that creative breath in us. We've, we've talked about that, that our words are powerful. We have a creative breath. But your words start in your mind. You don't just randomly say stuff. It comes out of your mind. Luke 6, 45, another familiar scripture, says, Out of the abundance of the heart, or the mind... Because when it says heart there, it's not talking about your blood pumper. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's talking about your mind, the heart of man, your center, your core. Out of the abundance of the mind. What do you dwell on? What do you think about all the time? What do you what out of the abundance of your mind, your mouth speaks? Or your mouth will tell on you. You're living in a bad place. You're choosing death, 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 death. Well, that's what's going to come out your mouth. You can only fake it for so long. You get around somebody for long enough and hear them talk. You'll know what they think about a lot. You'll get to know who they really are. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you change your mind, you change your mouth. Change your mind, change your mouth. Um, I just think it's cool, like, just thinking about this and studying for the message, and we're going to get into some ways that, that we can be transformed and our life can be transformed by our mind. And God gave us these minds, and it's such a powerful thing. Like, our minds are really powerful. That your mind tells you how to feel. Your mind tells you what, every, what to say. It controls your body. It's a powerful thing. I heard about a guy that his car broke down at Pizza Hut. And he only had enough money to eat. And so now he's faced with a decision because he couldn't get the car running. And he was pretty sure his engine was blown. So 
there was nothing to do and he he was disabled in one of his legs he couldn't walk that good and his house was almost five miles away so he knew i can't walk home and he called uber and he just had enough money either he was going to get himself an uber ride home until his brother-in-law could come help him get the car after the weekend or he could eat pizza and that's all the money he had was one or the other didn't have anybody he could call or anything so he sat and thought about it and he thought come on there's got to be a way he says ha got it so he ordered a pizza with the little bit of money he had for delivery and gave him his address and then he waited outside till the driver came out and asked if he could get a ride to his house and otherwise nobody was there to pay him for the pizza so, i mean i thought it was pretty smart got a ride home and he got the pizza your mind's a powerful thing if you use it that's what some of y'all came just for that word right there use it it's a terrible thing to waste that's your word today please use your mind it'll make the world a better place for you and all of us <clears throat> did you know you can make a fortune with an idea all kind of money oh that's on a side note just when I brought up money maybe I was supposed to say this it doesn't go with this but um, never mind I'm not supposed to say that okay <laughs> you can make a fortune with an idea I just realized by Jesse's face I wasn't supposed to say that <clears throat> You can make a fortune with an idea. So uh, I've got an idea. I'm going to try to get ahead of the game. Um, with the rise of self-driving vehicles and all the talk about how they're making these cars that can drive themselves, and here before long we're going to have vehicles that can drive themselves around, I'm going to go ahead and write a country song about how my truck left me too. <laughs> I might make some money off of it. Don't y'all? Nobody steal that. You can make a fortune off a good idea or a dumb idea. <laughs> okay, let's look at Romans 12.1. We probably need to read some scripture before, uh, before too much of my mind shows. <clears throat> I beseech you, therefore, brethren. This is Paul talking. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, that sounds fun. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Wait, that, he said he wants us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. We're called to sacrifice. We hear that all the time as Christians. We're called to sacrifice. We're supposed to sacrifice our time and our money and our talents. And we're supposed to sacrifice. Did you know there is no progress without sacrifice? There's no progress if you're not willing to sacrifice. You know, you put gas in a car to get you somewhere. But it burns up the gas. So later on today, I'm going to Temple. And I'll put gas in the car. And then I will burn the gas to get there. Or I will sacrifice that gas to get me where I need to go. It's like that with everything. It takes a sacrifice to get to your destination. You sacrifice the gas to get to where you want to go. Well, guess what? 
If you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want will be the sacrifice. You have to sacrifice for what you want. I want a better marriage. Are you sacrificing for a better marriage? What is it that you're giving and pouring out? I I want a better body. I want to be healthier this year. (laughs) It's going to take a sacrifice. Fill in the blank. I want to grow spiritually. I want to be closer to God. You pouring out a sacrifice? That sacrifice of praise? Are you are you spending time getting to know him? I want to play an instrument. It's gonna take a sacrifice of practice. We can just keep going on and on. There is no progress without sacrifice. I want to win the flag football game later on this afternoon with the church team, but it's going to take a sacrifice for all of us. And I like how what Paul said there, because we like to think of a sacrifice of something dead, but Paul said, no, (laughs) he wants us to be a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice. He died for us so we could live for him. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 2. And be not conformed. Conformed. Don't fit in. Don't just do what everybody else around you is doing. Don't just try to look like everybody else around you. It's okay to be different. It's okay to use your mind and to listen to God and to don't conform. Don't fit in to this world, but be transformed. See, we all want that. We all want transformation. We can all agree on that. Oh, yeah, I want to be transformed. I want to see my bank account transformed, and I want to see my body transformed, and I want to see my wife transformed. I felt that. I mean, we all. I didn't mean to say it on the wife part. We all want to see a transformation. (laughs) Right? In our lives, we want transformation. We pray, God, change this, change that. God, change my circumstances. And God's trying to change you. He wants to change the way we think. God's presence is not to change your circumstance. It's to change your perspective. Today, when you stood here in God's presence and in worship, and you heard words, and you heard the words of the songs, and you heard a unrehearsed song of what maybe one of the singers or somebody felt God was laying on their heart to say in a microphone or or what the Holy Spirit whispered in your ear as you were down there worshiping it will change your perspective if you let it it will change the way you think and the way you see things you see God you see yourself it his presence a lot of times most of the time doesn't change your circumstance but it will change your perspective Be transformed, how? By the renewing or the resetting of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By the renewing or the resetting of your mind. Like a rat trap. If you don't reset it, it can't do what it was made to do. It's not going to be effective. 
We've got to renew and reset our mind. You can be reset today. Some of you may have already been reset today. God doesn't want you stuck. He wants you to move freely. To be transformed from death to life. That's what salvation is. That we're being transformed. That we're walking out of our sin nature and out of death and into life. That, that we would be life-giving. And that we would be in relationships and surrounded by a community that is life-giving. That builds us up. That gives us life. Not that we don't ever go through hard things or hard times. You, of course. We're going to go through things, but we should be life-giving. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's easy to fall back into old ways of thinking. To go back to how you used to think. Let me read you these other... Um, these three more verses. Verse 3 says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Saying, don't start thinking you're better than everybody. You're better than somebody else. Every, everybody's been dealt a measure of faith everybody's got a gift everybody's got a purpose we're all part of the same team no no one person's better than another person i told a group of guys i spoke to last monday that um i said something along the lines of just because i'm standing up here with a microphone doesn't mean i'm more qualified or gifted or have more purpose on my life than any one of you have and Vice versa. You don't have any more calling or gifting than me. I, and I said something like that. And one of the guys laughed in the middle of my talk and said, had never heard a preacher say that. <laughs> well, that's a sad thing. We all have a part. We all have a gifting. We all have a role. None. That's what, that's what he's saying there in verse 3. Don't start thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't get a big head. I was born with a big head in the natural. I'm not sure I don't get one. Look at four. For as we have many members in one body, Paul loves to refer to the body of Christ, the body, the body, we're the body, many members in this body. We're all different body parts. And all members have not the same office. We all have different jobs. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one member one of another so we're all one we're all called to be connected to each other so that we can be the best that we can be but we're all different parts none of us are the same part but we are a body I was thinking about you guys know earlier this year when when I started doing a lot of boxing specific training for Brawl for a Cause that I had never done in my life. And there were a couple of those workouts that I went with Dom and a couple of times I went with Joe when I was first doing that kind of stuff. And I've been working out with weights and stuff like that. Well, we did a couple of these workouts. I mean, I went with one workout with Dom and we did like ropes and pushing a sled back and forth across the ground and stuff that I haven't done, right? Well, 
I could barely push it. I could barely hold on to the ropes. They kept slipping out of my hands because I was so sweaty. And like I, I felt like kind of defeated, like I wasn't that good at it. And I know I'm stronger than that. I know I could do better than that. And then the next morning when I woke up, there was like a lot of pain and soreness and hurting and muscles in different places like in my back and my shoulders and my elbow was hurting and stuff that like muscles where I didn't even know I had a muscle there. Wow, God, is that a muscle? Is that a problem? Is there something wrong there? Like it hurt. Why? Because I've never used that muscle. It doesn't work. It, I've never used it. You know why a lot of times in church, there are some churches that are trying to do what they're called to do. and Maybe that's push a sled from right there to right there, say. And they feel like they're going a lot slower than they should and they feel defeated and they feel like they're not getting there as fast as they could and they don't know why they feel like they're about to die. And a lot of them do. Shut down and die. You don't you feel like you're not. Why is that? And then you feel sore and pain and hurt. It's because there are a lot of muscles that aren't working. A lot of muscles that aren't being used. We're a body. We all have a job. And you know, after I did those workouts several times, I got way better at it. In fact, it was easy. I had to put more weight on the sled because I could push it too fast. Why? Because all those muscles that weren't being used got strong and started being used. And then what? I was way more effective. I could do the task at hand much easier and better. I could do it quicker. It's the same with us as a body. As long as there's a bunch of muscles that aren't willing to be used for whatever it is they're called to be used for, and whether that's giving or serving or loving or giving a word or, or singing or praying or keeping a nursery or coming in here and volunteering, whatever your part is, as long as there's a whole bunch of muscles that aren't willing to be used, it puts more on the other muscles, which makes them slower and not effective and want to give up and sore and hurting. We're a body. We all have a part. We all have a role. We fight our battles different. So I want to transform my mind. I want to renew and reset my mind. What do I do? Reject and replace. you got to reject and replace. You, you know those thoughts that come in your mind that are death, that are negative, that are those, those thoughts, those, those mind monsters come in your mind. And the problem is we know that we should reject that thought, and we do that. But it just comes right back. And the more we try to reject it, we're focusing on it and causing it to come back stronger and more. But you, you have to replace that thought. So you reject it and you replace it with something else. That's the only way to walk in freedom over it. 
If I want to lose weight, I don't go buy a box of Krispy Kremes and set them on my desk in there and look at them and say, I won't eat any more donuts. I will not eat you donut. I'm not going to eat another donut. You have and do some research on how many calories so I can sit there and tell myself, don't eat because eventually I'm going to eat the donut. I have to reject it, but replace it with something else. Replace, reject those thoughts. Take captive every thought, Scripture says, in obedience to Christ. Taking captive every thought. Look at Philippians 4, 6. And I'm winding down. The landing gear's coming out. Philippians 4, 6. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible if you want to read along on the screen. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends. Summing it all up, New Horizon. I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The best, not the worst. How many of you can say that you, for the most part, during a normal day, that you think of the best, not the worst? In every situation and the people that you come in contact with, do you think the best about them or the worst? Our natural sin nature of what we're born into, the death, that we think of the worst first. Automatically. Best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Look for, focus on the beautiful, not the ugly, the best, not the worst. Things to praise, not things to curse. Find something that you can praise. Compliment somebody. Put into practice what you have learned from me. What you heard and saw and realized. You realized it, that's, you understood it. Your mind was renewed. A reset, and you were, oh, I need to focus on the good things. You, you realized it. How? He's saying you realized it. Paul, Paul wrote this letter from a Roman prison. He was a prisoner in a bad place, and it, it was a really bad prison. It wasn't like, you know, a prison with TV and a workout room. and a, it, This was a rough, bad place for Paul. And Paul's sitting there telling them, do all these things, what you realize from watching me. You've seen me do it. I'm not asking you to do something that I don't do, that I've not shown you. An example of, you realized it. Do that, and what? And the God who makes everything work together will work you into His most excellent harmonies. I want God to work me into his most excellent harmonies. 
how good that sounds to hear a song and then you hear just a perfect harmony come in or two perfect harmonies come in and wow, it just makes the song. I want to be worked into God's most excellent harmonies. I want my role in me to do my, even if it's a small part, it's, it doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't, I just want to do my part so well that even the world around me, people that, you know, just come in contact with me are like, wow, what? I don't understand why that was so good. Why do I have goosebumps? That's how people see God. And I want whatever he's got. I don't even know why that sounded so good. Why is that so compelling? Because you got a God-shaped hole inside of you. And he's drawing you. The Holy Spirit wants to use you and your life to draw other people. But if you're not life-giving, and you're not thinking and dwelling and resetting your mind daily, constantly choosing to, to find things that you can bless, not curse, to think on good and not the bad, to then you're just going to fit in to the world around you. You won't be different. You'll look like everybody else. You'll be conformed, as Paul said. Everybody can do that. Everybody looks like that. I want to be different. This is how you retrain your brain. I'd go read Philippians 4. Every day, Philippians 4, 6, what we just read. Retrain it. Remind. You have to remind yourself. You know how you get good at something? Practice. You do it over and over and over and over. You want to get good at a sport? You don't just walk outside and play it and bing, you're good. You practice. If you hear God telling you something, hey, I want you to retrain your brain, then you practice it. Starting tomorrow morning, you practice it. You train yourself. You retrain your brain. You reset. Renew. Reject and replace. All right, John 13, 34. Jesus was talking. And right before, right before he said this, he got let down. Somebody let him down. And right after he said this, go read it. Go read John 13 later this week. In the interest of time, we're not going to read it. But right after Jesus said what we're about to read, he got let down again. Right? People disappointed him. People will let you down. But look what Jesus said. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give unto you. Jesus only brought one new commandment. There was a whole bunch of commandments when he got here. A bunch of stuff for us to do. And Jesus brought us one new commandment. That's it. A new commandment I give unto you. That you love one another as I have loved you. And that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If you have love one to another. You're like, guys, this is how they're going to know that you're my disciples. Because they're going to look at you and say, wow, Christians love each other. 
is that what people think when they think about Christians? I'm sad and sorry to say probably not. But it should be. And it's our job to change that. If we're really Christians, when people look at you, they should say, wow, that's one of Jesus' disciples because I can tell by how much He loves people. Wow, I can tell by the love that's coming out of Him. Like when even when, when people don't deserve it, that's, that's, whoa. Jesus said, this is how they're going to know. It's a commandment. We talked about last week, you can't command a feeling. And Amanda proved it for me by laughing when I said, be sad. You can't command a feeling. Because love is a choice. We, we talked about that last week too. So really what Jesus was saying there in verse 34, he's talking to his disciples, but he's now talking to all of us because we're the disciples of Jesus. We're Christ followers. And he's saying, this is us, boys. This is what we're supposed to look like. This, we're supposed to love. Doesn't matter what everybody else does, but when they look at us, this is how they're going to know that you're of me is to love. I bet if you went and polled a hundred people and asked them, what is the definition of a Christian? How many of those hundred would be love? It should be most all of them, but I don't know that it would be. We should be known by our love. Love is a decision, not a feeling. Lust is a feeling. Love is not. Remember in Ephesians where Paul commands husbands love your wives? And it's the one that always gets quoted at weddings and stuff because it's uh, wives submit to your husband. And all the husbands like to use that one to get their wife to obey and do what they want and they can pull that verse out of context and do what they want with it. Well, if you read on in that verse a little bit where it says um, the husband is commanded to love his wife as Christ loved the church, right? And we've said before, to okay, what does that mean? Well, he laid down his life for the church, so you're supposed to lay down your life for your wife or as a leader, if you want to be a spiritual leader of your family, and this applies in the church or wherever, you want to be a leader, you're supposed to love like he did. How did he love? First. When we didn't even know we needed him, he loved us. First. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were yet sinners. You know what that means? When we were at our worst you think about the time in your life when you were at your worst, in your darkest place, in your mind, the worst place, the worst thing you ever did, the, when you were hurting somebody or abusing somebody or looking at something you had no business looking at. Whenever it is in your life that you were at your worst, Christ died for you. He died for us before we even knew Him. He went first. He forgave us. He paid the price. He said, not my will, but not. He went against what he wanted to do. He submitted to his Father. Submission comes before resurrection. 
We all want resurrection. But even Jesus had to submit before resurrection. Before the power of resurrection. So, husbands go forth. First, Jesus went first. Well, I'm the leader. That's great. Then you should be first. First to apologize. First to forgive. First to sacrifice. First to protect. First to love. First. That's your job. Go first. You want to lead? You want to look like Jesus? Most Christians will agree they want Jesus to change their eternity. Like, yeah, we all we all want to go to heaven. We all want him to change our eternity. But they're not willing to let him change their mentality. He's like, come on, let me in there. Let me change the way you're thinking about it. You're thinking wrong about this stuff. You're thinking wrong about who you are. You're thinking wrong about who I am. Let me, in, let me change that mentality. Let me change that thinking. So I'll close with, with this last thought. So worship, we've talked about this before, but worship is our connection to God. Right? And, and worship is the one thing that, that God can't give himself. Because to worship, you need something greater than yourself, and there is nothing or no one greater than our God. So... Worship is the one thing that we can give God that he can't give himself. You ever tried to buy a present for somebody that's got everything? It's not very fun. Like, uh, what can I get them? They got enough money to go get themselves whatever they want. It's hard to buy somebody a present. Well, I think it's kind of cool that God set it up, and he said, hey, I want you to worship me. I want you to bring me worship. And it's the one thing that he can't give himself. Because there's nothing greater than him or nothing bigger than him to worship. So we can bring him a present that he can't even give himself. So worship is our connection to God. And then we see in Colossians 1.18 that, that Jesus is the head of the church and then in John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And so Jesus talks about the church being connected and that he's the head. So church is your connection to Jesus. Coming into church and being connected to Jesus. But prayer and communication, that's your connection to the Holy Spirit. Now they're all the same, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's all the same, but different forms. And they can do different things in your life. And in the renewing of your mind. Holy Spirit, the the power, the infilling. In Ephesians, Paul talked about a continual filling of the Spirit, of the power. Not a one-time. The Holy Spirit's not a one-time filling and done. It's a continual filling that you go to every day. As you practice, as you retrain your brain, as you choose to think on the things that God wants you to think on, as you let him change your mentality, that's the filling, the daily filling of the Holy Spirit. Not a one-time thing. 
So you were created in His image. Oh, hold on, I'm closing. Genesis. Genesis 1. Remember when God created man? And God spoke. This is Genesis 1, 26. And God, God spoke. Let us make human beings in our image. Let us. Us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God's a community in and of Himself. In our image, make them reflecting our nature. So they can be responsible for the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the cattle. And yes, earth itself. And every animal that moves on the face of earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like. Reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. Prosper. Reproduce. Fill the earth. Take charge. So, God created us in His image. Right? And we've, we've talked about this before. And, but I just want to close with this thought and put this thought in your mind. You see this right here? This is my football glove that I'm going to use later on today to play flag football. This glove has a job and a purpose, and it can help me catch the ball, and it helps me not slip, and it has a message. Can y'all read that? Uh, okay. This is a glove. It was created in the image of my hand. Because I brought, bought the right size. Keep in mind what we're talking about. You were created in the image of God. But that means, just like this glove, for you to do what you're called to do and to be useful and successful and walk in your calling, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We were created in His image. But if we're not filled with Him, then we're not going to be useful. And check this out. Everybody agrees this thing's made to help you catch a football, right? Good. Okay, it was created in the image. And look, check this out. Catch. Good catch, glove. It can't even catch. It's horrible at its job. Because it's not been filled with the thing. God created you in His image. And He has a plan and a purpose and a reason. And He gave you a voice. And He gave you a message. Look at the message of this glove. Now can you read it? Can you read it? Guns up. <laughs> it's filled. It says guns up. <laughs> now look, the glove can catch. Please catch it. Please catch it. <laughs> hey. 
because it was filled. But I think a lot of times our lives were created in His image, and we think, I didn't really think about how hard it was going to be to take this thing on and off with this microphone in my other hand. But a lot of times we think that just coming in and we'll come into church, but we're not comfortable enough or because of our brokenness or because of whatever reason that we're not willing to connect or we're not willing to sacrifice or we're not willing to to let our minds be renewed that we'll think, well, coming into church will help. And you know what that is? It's like getting this glove in here and getting it close to the hand. Well, that's good. And it's close to the hand, but it still can't be used that good. And I can use it for different things. I mean, (laughs) that's not what it was made to do. I mean, I can fan myself with it. It makes a good little fan, right? But that's not what it was made to do. Sometimes we come into church and we get close to God. But we don't want to let Him fill us up. But I'm telling you today that you were created in His image. You were shaped. God shaped. And He wants to fill you. He said, I'll send my Holy Spirit to come and dwell in you and fill you. But you've got to renew your mind. You can't be just running around in death all week long and then run into a church service and expect the Holy Spirit to fill you up and use you. It's got to be a daily, continual filling, a renewing of your mind, a decision, a practice to change the way you think. To be what you're called to be. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thanks for speaking to us. God, we want to move on. We want to grow. We don't want to be little immature kids our whole life. We want to grow spiritually. We want our minds to be renewed and reset so that we can be effective and we can be powerful in your kingdom and we can be what we're called to be. God, thanks for speaking to us and thank you for teaching us and guiding us. Thank you for grace and mercy that picks us up every time we fall. God, I thank you that there's nothing that we can do to make you love us more and there's nothing we could do to make you love us less. But God, thank you that you want the best for us, that you have plans for us, plans for good and not evil. God, thank you that you can work even the bad situations in our lives, even the tough circumstances, that you can work them out and that you can work it together for your good and be part of your story. It can become a testimony. So God, fill us up. Come inside of us. We want to be life-giving to the people around us. We're willing to make that sacrifice to see progress we're willing to sacrifice who and what we are now for what you say we are we want to keep moving forward we love you thank you for loving us in jesus name amen